looking at this focus, and it is when in doubt. Everybody say, when in doubt. Everybody doubts. Everybody doubts. I mean, there are... One of the most common phrases I, I think that any of us, all of us, might use without even realizing it become, because it becomes so much a part of our vernacular that we just use it um, flippantly without even realizing sometimes that we're using it. And that is, I doubt it. The phrase, I doubt it. And somebody might say, hey, do you think he's going to be there? Uh, I doubt it. Do you think this is going to happen? I doubt it. Do you think you're going to get that job? I doubt it. Do you think that uh, this person's going to make it okay? I, I doubt it. Do you think you're going to be able to get there on time? I doubt it. Do you think you'll be at church on Sunday? I doubt it. No, nobody said that. Nobody said that. But that phrase, I doubt it, is really, it, it has penetrated in every sense of the word. It has penetrated so much who we are and, and what we believe and what we do that it really has, has become something that if we're not careful, it will hinder us from really engaging and entering, entering into the places that God has for us. You know, I, if you don't know this, I just want to inform you today that Yahweh has some really incredible moments waiting for you. Thank you. Kevin and Donna. Kevin and Donna. Yahweh has some really incredible moments waiting for you. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin and Donna, come and stand right here, and I'm going to preach to you guys this morning. No, I'm just... But I want everybody to be informed this morning. He has some really amazing moments... Waiting on you to arrive at. And now I wonder already, already, I wonder already, don't tell me, but I wonder already if in the back of somebody's mind, somebody has already said when I make that statement, he has some incredible moments waiting on you. And somebody somehow said, even if not in these words, I doubt it. Everybody but two did. Because if I really believe, man, he's got some incredible moments waiting for me, and I really believe that, and there's no contemplation or no hesitancy. It's like, yes, you're right he does. You better believe he does. Man, I knew that when I got up this morning. When I went to bed last night, I couldn't even wake up, wait to wake up, uh, that too, but open my eyes this morning so I could engage the moment he might have ready for me. But how often, how often do we hear something and it's, I, you know, I doubt it. Even if we don't say those words, I doubt it. We are saying it with our reaction, with our response. God is a good God. <laughs> and then how many online, I didn't hear anybody online. Everybody online said, I doubt it. Because we didn't hear any. I'm just kidding. He's for you. Here's the crazy thing about God. I love this about Him. I love this about Him because He really demonstrated this in my life and yours too at some point. I don't know when it happened for you, but I know exactly the moment it happened for me. But He is for you, whether you are with Him today or you're not. He's still for you. And the person that says, the person that thinks, well, you know, I don't think He is. I'm not with Him today. You're, you might be doing this I doubt it thing, but I'm going to tell you today. 
I'm going to help mess up your doubt. I don't want to do anything to mess up anybody's faith, but I want to destroy your doubt. I want to take your doubt and use it. Like I want that. I want the name of your doubt to be Sisera, and I want to drive a tent peg through the temple of it. Violently. I want to take that doubt and say, I'm going to get you some milk. But when I come back, I'm going to have a mallet and a tent peg. And I'm going to drive that peg through your temple until it drives right into the ground so that there's no doubt left. So that I can go and I can say to the king, the doubt that has hindered them from approaching you lies dead in the tent. It's a really amazing story if you haven't read it. We're not going to read it today. You just heard all you're getting from me on that. <laughs> but I want to begin today out reading in Matthew chapter 28. So if you will, join with me there. Do it through the app. It's really easy to do that. Or you can simply watch the screen, but it's not as much fun. So Matthew chapter 28, we're going to begin this morning with verse 16. Everybody say this with me. When in doubt. And again, I want to say before we read it, everybody has doubt from time to time. Doubt is present. And I mean, some of the most powerful people we'll ever meet and know have had to deal with doubt. I mean, doubt isn't something that just attaches itself to the weak. Doubt attaches itself to the strong. Doubt doesn't just find a place in those who are faithless. Doubt will also find a place in those who are faithful. Doubt does not in any way have prejudice. It doesn't care from where you've come. It has no concern about where you're headed. Doubt just likes to be. In Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 16, it reads like this. It says, Now the eleven disciples went... Let me back up. Let me start. Give you a little... Preempt this a little bit so that you know in case you're not familiar with this story. Christ has risen from the dead. He has been crucified. He has risen from the dead. Mary and Martha have already seen him. They've witnessed him. He told them, he said, go and tell the disciples that I am alive, that I have risen from the dead. I want you to go and tell them what has happened. So they have gone and they have told uh, the disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead. Now, this is where this picks up. Now, the 11 disciples went to Galilee where Jesus told them to meet him, to the mountains to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. We'll come back to that. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to observe everything that I command you. And behold, know this. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, I will be with you always to the end of the age. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Everybody say, but some doubted. But some doubted. Mm. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Now the disciples should have believed Jesus' words that he would rise again. Right? Now, because Christ had told them, in fact, he didn't just tell the disciples, he told everybody that would listen, on the third day, I'm coming out of that tomb. You can't tear this thing down, in three days it will be built again. It will be restored. To him who has an ear to hear, 
Let him hear. So they were already aware because Christ had told them both personally, privately, and very publicly, let everybody know, you're going to tear this thing down, but in three days it's coming up. You're going to destroy me, but in three days you're going to see me live again. You can't kill God. So the disciples should have believed his words that he would rise again, but when witnesses claimed that he had done exactly what he said he would do, they doubted that. No! No, we, we don't believe that you saw Jesus. What they, what, you know, you just believe that. I, I just want to think. I want to believe this. I want to believe that if it were Steve Parker. And my wife and I, we're at the feet of Christ, or we were walking with Christ, and we had seen Him turn water into wine. We had seen Him raise a mama from the dead. We had seen Him cast out devils. We had seen Him deliver the oppressed. We had seen Him cause lame men to walk. We had seen, name it, keep going. And we had seen and witnessed all of that. I would want to believe that I, with my wife, would stand there and we would say, whatever you say, I'm going to believe it. Because no contrary word has ever come out of your mouth. What you've said you would do, you've done it. So that when I heard him say, they're going to tear this temple down, but in three days I'm going to rise again. I want to believe that I would, with my wife, we would have joined one another and we would have, and I'm including my wife because she is great faith too and sometimes she, is, she shores up mine. Sometimes I shore up hers. And we would be there and I would be, and I want to believe that we would say, yes. So when you die, <laughs> just, I'm just telling you how I wish, I believe, I think I would have responded. I want to hope. I want to hope I would have responded this way. He said in three days he's going to rise again. So in three days, he's not going to have to send Mary and Mary after me. Three days from the time they put him in that tomb, I'm going to be standing at the gate with my arms crossed saying, bring it on. I'm going to have bread and wine to serve him with. I watched you raise the dead. I watched you cast out devils. I watched you turn water into wine. I heard you say in three days you would rise again. So in three days, I'm going to be standing outside that tomb and I'm waiting for you to come out. I'm not going to be off somewhere in some tavern over there drinking some iced tea, waiting on somebody to bring me a report. He did exactly what he said he was going to do and then say, I don't believe it. (laughs) Shame on those guys. Shame on those guys. They were already worried about their next resource uh, uh, flow of income revenue what are we going to do now jesus is dead we're not getting money out of fish's mouths anymore do you hear me today so these girls came Uh, what's amazing to me is who he used i mean one of them a prostitute uh, one of them a a demoniac he cast seven devils seven seven devils out of And she went to the tomb because, why? He said he was coming out. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, they saw him and they still doubted. Just track with me today where we're headed. And Jesus came and he said to them, he said, Listen, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to, to observe all that I have commanded you, and I am with you always to the, end of the, to the end of the age. Church teachers and church 
itself, religion, denomination, whatever you want to call it, by giving doubt power have created a weakness within those who want to honor God. What does that mean? It is common in the Christian circles, no matter what the church is, where the church is, what the denomination of the church is, or who the teacher is, it is common within religious circles, within church circles, and I'm trying to be very broad about that. It is very common for teachers to teach in such a way that if any doubt exists in anyone, then they are incapable of completing the tasks and the calling that God has put in them. That somehow all doubt must be eliminated for you to be useful at all. I think it's probably true that everyone in this building has heard teachers talk about and you need to cast out doubt. All doubt needs to be cast out. We need to deal with this doubt. We need to take care of it because until we do, you're not going to have the faith that you need to be able to do what you're called to do. Church and religion is taught that to doubt means that one is unworthy of God's promises and these teachings have pushed so many away from being giants for the kingdom of God. I wonder how many people that are even under the sound of my voice right now, whether in this room you're listening later, you're watching online, I wonder how many people under the sound of my voice right now have allowed the doubt, have allowed doubt in your life to become a ball and chain in your life that has hindered you from actually engaging what the Father created you to do. The doubt has become your teacher instead of The God that created you to do something great. Are you hearing me this morning? I wonder how many people under the sound of my voice right now, you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, doubt has really paralyzed me. It it has made me incapable of doing everything that I know that I'm called to do. I'm just worried because what doubt does is it creates this, this concern. It creates this thing because I want to show you something. The difference between doubt and faith, doubt paralyzes and faith causes movement. Faith is movement. Doubt is paralysis. But does doubt really disqualify you or me from being an instrument of Yahweh or from walking with Him? Does it really? Does doubt really disqualify? No matter what it has been said in the past, no matter what we've learned, no matter what we've heard through whatever teachings we've heard, no matter what it is, and, and we, put our, we wrap our minds around different biblical stories that look like because of doubt something bad happened. When the disciples were in the boat and they felt they were very worried about the seas being tossed. I'm just throwing out a random story. Very worried because the seas were tossing and turning and they were afraid they were going going to sink and the captain of the boat was about to throw people overboard to lighten the load and and all of this. And and they they go to Jesus and he's sound asleep, which is exactly where I would be, maybe not sleeping, but if I were in a boat and the seas were tossing, I'm laying down because I'm getting sick. But he he was asleep and they wake him up. How can you sleep when this is going on? And he looks around and he said, what's going on? The waves are battering the ship. The seas are tossing. The storms are upon us. We're going to perish. We're going to die. And he said, oh, you of little faith. He didn't say, oh, you who doubt so much there is no hope. He did not say, because you doubt, surely you're going to die. I just need you to hear me right now. He did not say, because of your doubt... I no longer call you sons. 
Oh, you have a little faith. Let me teach you something today. In the middle of your doubt, I want to show you something. I want to demonstrate something to you that will help you move past your doubt and get out of that paralysis. You have become paralyzed with fear because you're afraid somehow you doubt that the God or the Christ who walked on water cannot somehow calm the seas. So I'm going to teach you something. I'm just going to speak to it. And I'm going to say, hey, wave over there, wave over there, cloud up there, lightning over there. I want all of y'all to chill. And then we floated to shore. Just settle down. You did what you were sent to do. You demonstrated that in the middle of their doubt, they became paralyzed instead of moving in faith. So how does doubt affect you and me? First of all, doubt betrays confidence. So, how can I demonstrate? Let me demonstrate it like this. If I were to ask somebody who is uncertain what is the capital of Florida, if they're uncertain, if they have any doubt, they would say, Tallahassee? It would almost be a question. There's no confidence there. What is the capital of Florida? Tallahassee, hopeful, but uncertain. But someone without doubt, what is the capital of Florida? Tallahassee. Yeah. Doubt does things in all of us that causes, it doesn't matter who we are, it causes us to do some strange things. Even in answering that question, if you have doubt, what is the capital of Florida? And someone says, and they're uncertain, Tallahassee. Even their tone of their voice is different. Where doubt is present, you talk lighter. You talk softer. You don't engage as confidently. Tallahassee? What is the capital of Florida? Tallahassee! Man, you are confident. Yeah, because I know. There's no doubt in me believing that Tallahassee is the capital of Florida because I know Tallahassee is the capital of Florida. Now, what would be hilarious right there if somebody said it's not? That would not be funny. But doubt causes things, causes something in us to begin to kind of shut us down and pull us into this place where, where we're very, it, it, it is exactly what I said a moment ago, doubt is paralysis. It causes paralysis, it causes stiffness, it causes rigor mortis, it causes us to get into a place where we tighten up and we're afraid to be free and we're afraid to be loose and we're afraid to do, we're afraid to take risks and chances because I doubt, I, mm, I doubt I could run that business, I doubt I could be a business owner. I doubt I could be a good husband. I doubt I could be a good wife. I doubt I can overcome this. So we, with, intre- with trepidation, we enter into these moments and we enter into these times and, and there's a little bit of fear. But man, when there's confidence, man, I know I'll be a good husband. I know I'll be a good, a good wife. I know I can run a business. I know I can rise above. I know I can do whatever it is that's set before me. That's That's when we're unparalyzed. And I'm going to tell you, doubt is paralyzing a lot of people today. In fact, doubt is paralyzing some people from entering into just the kind of relationship God wants to have with them. God is like, I want to know you. But there's this sense of, "Mm, you know, I'm sure I'm just not confident yet that you really are. And he said, well, you know what? That's okay. Follow me. And come into this where you're moving in faith. Break the paralysis. If that rigor mortis has set in, begin to stretch those arms. Begin to move those, stretch those legs and begin to loosen up those joints until you can come in. Tallahassee! 
I know. So what is the capital of Florida? An answer with doubt, says Tallahassee, with uncertainty. But an answer without doubt is stated with confidence. But here's the crazy thing. Whether you said Tallahassee with doubt or you said Tallahassee with faith, both answers are right. Okay, I need you to catch that. I just, I just threw a pitch. Okay, I need you to catch it. I just, the, the guy hit the ball. We're going for the double play. Okay, I caught it at second base. I'm throwing it to first. You're the first baseman. Catch this. I just threw you the ball, okay? Whether you said Tallahassee or you said Tallahassee, you're both right. Whether you had doubt or you did not, you're both right. Doubt makes us, one of the things, if there is a good thing about doubt, doubt makes us alert and it makes us cautious. Hmm. You know, I was talking, my son and I, my wife and I and my son went to um, Utah for a little short trip a couple of few, recently. And when we got there, there's this weirdest thing. And I don't know if any of you, you're probably going to think, man, he needs to see a psychiatrist. But there's this weird thing that happens. And I don't know if it happens to you. And I was talking to somebody else about it the other day. But, but Josh and I were just reflecting on a moment. When you get out in there, to tell, it's the weirdest thing because you'll come to the edge of a cliff and it's like 10 stories down. And I mean, you can literally walk up to the edge and you can just look over. You can just, oh, wow. But there's something inside of you that just innately, it's bizarre. It, now, I'm not afraid of heights, so maybe that's the problem. Maybe I should be. But there's something inside that makes you just want to see. I wonder what it'd be like just to fly off of this thing. And you have to say to yourself, don't. Stop wondering. Wrong, wrong wonder. It just makes you wonder. What would it be like? I believe I can fly. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Obviously sanity won. But there, there's it. But doubt makes us alert and it makes us cautious. And when I come, when you come to the edge, and no matter how you feel, like man, it just feels like I should be able to just step off of this thing. But the doubt that was there that said, "I doubt you're going to survive," <laughs> makes you kind of step back a little bit. Yeah. Doubt did not dispossess the truth. Wow. It just made what was true stand out more made me stand back. And it doubt creates an alertness and a cautiousness. So, so let me point out something really neat about the disciples in this passage that we read just a moment ago in Matthew 28. Doubt did not diminish the disciples' hope or purpose. In the middle of their doubt, what did Jesus say? Let's, let's, let, let's think about this for a second. In the middle of their, their doubt, Jesus said this to them. He said, he, let me go back there. He said, they worshiped him they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, and Jesus came and he said to them, he did not say, shame on you for having doubt. He said to all of them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, now go and make disciples of all nations. Right in the middle of your doubt, get your hiney out there and go make disciples. Maybe you have some doubt because I need you to be alert and cautious. Because you have no idea, some of y'all are about to get boiled in oil. Some of y'all are going to be hung upside down. 
I was just thinking the other day when I was driving home from somewhere and I, I was considering going through one day in the next couple of weeks and just going through all the disciples' lives each one by one very quickly. It won't take long. I'm not going to spend a week on each one. But just telling you about how they lived and died. And maybe we'll do that. But he said, in the middle of your doubt, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to go. Go ye therefore into every nation. I want you to go and teach. What? I doubt. See, even in my doubt, we came and we worshipped him, but we were like, man, we doubted. We doubted that you were really going to come again, that you were going to rise again on the third day, but we're still worshiping you. And he said, because you're still worshiping me. See, faith is movement. Doubt is paralysis. See, if, if you existed in your doubt, if you stay in your doubt, you wouldn't have worshiped me. You would have continued to say, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. It is a ghost. But you didn't do that. When you saw me approach, you begin to throw your hands up in the air and you begin to lift your voice. You begin to dance. You begin to twirl. You begin to spin. You begin to shout. Great is the Lord. Because faith is movement. Mm. So in the middle of that, in Mark chapter 16, let's read this. Doubt did not diminish the disciples' hope. Mark 16 uh, verses 19 and 20 says, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God, and they, the disciples, went out. And what did they do? They preached everywhere. Right in the middle of it. This is right after that. He was taken up. I'm reading it out of Mark 16 because it goes into more detail rather than Matthew. But it, it's the same passage. It's the same moment. He ascends into the heavens and immediately they go out and they preach everywhere right in the middle of the doubt while the Lord worked with them and he confirmed the message by accompanying signs. It's amazing. He continued to work with them. There is movement. You did not get paralyzed in your doubt. I'm saying something to you today. In the middle of doubt, whatever doubt may exist in you today, whatever there might be that you doubt, whatever that that he has called you and inspired you to do and to be and to become and to move in and to believe for, I want to tell you in the middle of that doubt, don't let doubt paralyze you, but let faith move you. Don't stop believing for what isn't yet. And don't shame yourself because there's doubt. Don't shame yourself. Don't, pitiful, don't be pitiful about yourself. Don't, oh, you know, it's just, I'm never going to, I just doubt too much. And I, man, my preacher said that where there's doubt, there's no faith. And I'm telling you, faith is not the absence of doubt. That's a story we, most people in this house are already aware of. But now, you know, they've all told me that because I doubt, I'm never going to make it. Oh, yes, you will. I'm going to tell you. I'm standing in this pulpit today not because I never had doubt, but because in the middle of all of the doubt, I kept moving. Believe me, there were plenty of opportunities to doubt. The first six weeks that we were meeting in the Homewood Suites Hotel. Six weeks in a row, we expected the very first Sunday that we met in the Homewood Suites Hotel, we expected there were going to be a hundred, we had a hundred name tags. We were going to write names on them. It's true. We thought, oh, Central Florida wants God. We booked a big room at the Homewood Suites Hotel. Three people came. Three whole people. And they were people we knew and we had invited because we needed them and we didn't know it yet. <laughs> the next week, three people came. Not the three that were there the week before. The next week, three different people. Not the same, not the six that were there before. Five weeks in a row. Three people each week and none of them were the same. If there was ever opportunity for doubt, 
I mean, we had hung our hat on the wagon that God called us to Central Florida. We hitched our cart to that horse. He called us to Central Florida, and this is it. But I'm telling you, after week one, it was like, oh, it's no big deal. They don't know yet. After week two, it's like, this is getting to be a big deal. After week three, it's like, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? <laughs> and then on week six, suddenly there were more. and Somebody returned. Week seven. Somebody returned and they brought somebody with them. Week 8, somebody returned and they brought somebody with them. And this Week 9, we're growing out of this Homewood Suites Hotel. We're going to have to find us a place to have, have a building. We have to find a storefront or something. But can I tell you, none of that happened because of lack of doubt. All of that happened in the middle of doubt. <laughs> but... In, the doubt, we never allowed the doubt to paralyze us so that we could not have faith. So the Lord Jesus, after He had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they, the disciples, went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. When in doubt, have faith, and faith is not the absence of doubt. I've said that before. If you're, most of you in this house, you've heard me teach this before. Some of you, if you've never heard it, I hope you get this today, but faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is movement. Doubt is paralysis. A very big difference. Faith is having confidence in the truth even when the truth doesn't make sense. It's believing for something. And I want to read again out of Matthew 28, 20. Jesus said, even after knowing that they doubted that it was Him who rose from the dead, He said, I am with you always and I will be. To the end of the, till the end of the age. I am with you always. And I will be. Until the end of the age. Jesus is not hindered. Because of our doubt. He is hindered. Because we do not move. Keep moving. In the middle of it. You and I. Have an opportunity. Wherever we are this morning. Wherever you are watching online today. Whoever you are that might be listening to this service in a future date. We all have an opportunity this morning to recognize and go ahead and accept that there might be a little doubt in us about what it is we're walking out. Or maybe you even doubt who this God is. You might doubt. You might doubt. But I can promise you this. If you will keep moving in faith, truth will reveal itself to you. But if you allow your doubt to paralyze you, you will never know God. You will never know whether He really is real. If you allow doubt to cause you to freeze frame in the moment that you're in at this time, I want to tell you there will be things that you will never access, places you will never enter, knowledge you will never receive, truths that will never be able to change your life. So my encouragement to you today is in the middle of your doubt, in the middle of whatever it is, that you keep disqualifying yourself because of. My prayer and my passion and my heart for you today is that you cast out that doubt. I don't even want, let me, let me rephrase that. I don't even want you to cast out the doubt. I want you to move through the doubt. I want you to move through. It's the idea of having to cast it out when, when it's still present. We feel like we're failing. But if I know it's there and I can accept it's there and I know I'm moving through it, it's okay. It's okay. 
So again, doubt is paralysis. Faith is movement. So I choose to move. And you know what God's called you and me to do? In the same way he said to the disciples, he said, man, guys, I told you I was coming out of that tomb. I told you I'd be resurrected on the third day. You didn't believe them when they came and told you that I said, meet me in Galilee. You didn't believe that it was really me. Yet I show up here in Galilee. You see me coming. You throw up your hands and you worship me while doubting. And he could have said, shame on you, but he said, good job, man. I'm so proud of y'all for worshiping me in the middle of your doubt. I want you to go teach people how to do the same thing. And I'm saying the same thing to you today. In the middle of your doubt. No, hear me. Right in the middle of your doubt. Right in the middle of your uncertainties. While you're standing in a place where you're even unsure, you know how to explain Christ, I want you to go over there for and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Take the gospel wherever it is that you go, right in the middle of it. Just like he instructed disciples, I'm instructing you today and I'm instructing me today. Don't let doubt stop you. Move right through it. Because that's where faith finds its power and movement. When in doubt, keep believing and don't stop moving. Because the souls of creation depend on it. The souls of creation depend on it. Stand with me.